Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. It's a Monday. That means Father Charles Murr is our guest, filling in for Jess Romero. Father, thank you for taking your time each week to be on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We appreciate that. Terry Barber? Yes. Thank you for dedicating your life to the gospel. <laughs> well, I, I try my we, appre- we appreciate that, too. I'm doing my best. Father, I'm doing a special edition today, and I'll tell you why. I want to take a little time to really um, kind of just get the picture of what's going on in our church and how we can better help Holy Mother, the church, get back in her lane, if you know what I mean by that. We're, we seem to be going I do. way off. I do. And a couple things that hit me, <clears throat> I was with Bishop Strickland yesterday for an hour, and uh, <clears throat> we were talking a little bit about when the nuncio came, uh, called him in and read a list of things off a piece of paper that the Holy See was concerned about and that really, whether it was the uh, Trinitine Mass issue whether it was uh, his administration issues. Uh, Here's the interesting thought. Uh, Bishop Strickland asked for a copy of that letter. And you know what? How did that go? (laughs) (laughs) No, they wouldn't give him a copy. Now, Father, this is unbelievable, in my opinion, that you were going to accuse somebody and then fire them and not give them any paper trail to say that this is why you're being fired. I mean, I, I, I heard that they did that in Russia, you know, where they would call you in, read off a list of things, and then you're done, and there's no recourse. Well, it seems to me, and maybe I'm over-exaggerating it, but it seems that Bishop Joseph Strickland, who's no longer the, the uh, Bishop of Tyler, Texas, who's now, you know, doing his work on the internet, and he's got his new YouTube channel, and he's going to preach the gospel, but it seems that uh, just objectively as a layman, I don't know from your perspective as a priest, that kind of scares me that our church is kind of relating to to that kind of uh, approach to firing people without just anything other than, come here, get in here, here's what the problem is, you're done. And it goes totally against canon law. What, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, the only difference, there's a major difference here between Stalinist tactics and the, the, the tactics of, that the Vatican is using yeah. of the, this last decade. Yeah. And, and, and they are this. Joe, Joe Stalin, Uncle Joe, yeah. they used to call him Uncle Joe. Can you can you believe this? Unbelievable. I, not not to, to kind of sugarcoat the millions of people he killed. Joe Stalin, when, when he had a problem with somebody, he would send, listen to this, this is documented. Mm-hmm. He would send two soldiers out, two of his, of his men of confidence, to that man's house during dinner. While his family was sitting uh, seated having dinner, they would show up at the house, knock on the door, tell him, uh, 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 just tell him that he was going to be executed for treason and shoot him right at the door of his own house. Wow. Now, but but you know what they did the next day? Hmm. This is incredible. The next day they went back, they returned to get the money from the widow for the bullets used to kill her husband. Oh, I, that's you make, they, that can't yeah, they, be made up. Oh, no, 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 I'm not making this up. They, they, she, they would go back so that the widow would pay for the cost of having having executed her husband. She had to pay for the bullets, wow. and if not, she was taken to jail. Wow. That, that, now we're not at that point yet. Right. But we are at the point. We are at the point. I think where you can see there's pettiness. Yeah. There's pettiness in this, and you know, uh, Terry, uh, I would have to be. Uh, You'd have to persuade me strongly to the contrary of what I'm going to say. The reason they didn't give him a copy, yeah, 
charge there aren't any charges yeah and there certainly aren't any charges that they would put down on paper yeah because they're they're petty they're their own therefore they're, that that's that's all they, they wouldn't give copy that's yeah, I can see that. I get it. Well, I want to uh, talk a little bit about, you talk about pettiness as Cardinal Burke, but before I do that, it seems to me, as I as a layman look at the church, I see the Holy See going after anybody who really believes in the Apostles' Creed, who's really traditional in the Catholic faith. There's an Argentinian bishop close to Archbishop Aguilar who will be getting a fraternal visit from the Vatican. Now, this is what happened. I love the way they described that fraternal visit. Give me a break, Father Charles. So here's my point. It, it appears, From Uncle Jorge. Yeah, it appears that anybody who says things like, I believe in the deposit of faith, I, I'm a, a traditional Catholic, uh, you're under suspect from the Holy See. And it seems to me that most bishops, because I asked Bishop Strickland this question, I said, what would you tell bishops... Uh, who are concerned about speaking the truth of the gospel, but knowing that they might have to uh, be removed as the bishop of their diocese or just be penalized. He said this, and I kind of, I really chuckled. He goes, Terry, life is short. Eternity is forever. He says, Let, we need more guys to come up and say, no, this is what the church teaches, and you're wrong. And I said, well, why don't you yes. be a little bit more clear about it, Bishop Strickland? I laughed, you know. <laughs> but but do, would you agree with his approach that we can't be fearful? He said too many of his brother bishops are scared that what's going to happen to them is what was what happened to Bishop Strickland if they speak up. Am I onto something? Oh no, of course, of course. But that you know, that's not just particular. That's not just particularly true of our bishops. Yeah. And that's true of anyone, yeah. even in the corporate world. Yeah. Anybody who's achieved a place, which is a nice place to be, they belong to the country club, they've got the, the lake house, the, yeah. blah, 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 everything is nice, then they're not going to go out on a limb to say what's right yeah. or, to, to, or to call in somebody else's, uh, to call, uh, call in somebody else and, and ask him or her to uh, improve the way they're, they're thinking. Or the, no, 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 no. It's the status quo. Yeah, I you get stick it. with that. I this is it. human nature. Yeah, it is. this is look. You know, Terry, I'll tell you this too. Cardinal O'Connor, John O'Connor, New York, called all the priests of all the priests of New York. I, I think he was a saint. I love oh, this yeah. man. Yeah, called all the priests in New York uh, to, to a meeting in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Said we were talking. It was the beginning of the of the uh, the clerical abuse scandal, right? Sure, sure. And he and he went on. He said, "Here, I have the statistics from from, from that are that are available." There are just as many cases of, of, of this sexual abuse by lawyers, yeah. by doctors. School teachers were way off the way off the charts. Yeah. Public school teachers, especially, they were they were incredibly high. He said, This is the scandal. And I'll never forget it. He said, this is the scandal. We aren't any better. Great point. The, the scandal the scandal is that we aren't any better than all of those groups yeah we and we must be we must be we should be we must be because we have Jesus Christ and and the gospel and 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 uh, are trying to live in a life lives of sanctifying grace we have to be better yep well I this is what the problem is you I, I just got done saying you find the same problem in the corporate world you find the same po problems in politics yeah. people don't want to they're, they're, I'm fine right here don't bother me I'm, I'm okay. Yes, in all of those things that are worldly, that's right. 
but we should not have that at the, at the same rate in the church. And I'm, and unfortunately, we do. Well, let me, give, let me give you a story. Maybe you know, maybe you don't know, but I don't think our listeners would know this about Cardinal O'Connor. Back uh, years ago, I, record, I sent a gentleman from our St. Joseph Communications to record a priest retreat put on by Cardinal O'Connor for the Diocese mm -hmm. of New York. And he was telling the men that they have to be fearless when it comes to preaching the gospel. And he gave an example, and everybody remembers Cardinal Bernadine from Chicago and his seamless garment, which was trying to say yes. that all these uh, issues, abortion, immigration, are all equal, which he was wrong. So what happened was he called Cardinal O'Connor and said, Cardinal O'Connor, I expect you to <clears throat> go along with this seamless garment because I'm going to be coming out with this and it's going to get all the newspapers and they're going to probably call you. I need you to back me on this. And Cardinal O'Connor said, Joe, there's no way I'm going to back you on that because you're wrong. Now, remember, I'm recording this priest retreat and, <clears throat> and then Cardinal O'Connor uh, comes back after he made all these statements to say, he just told me, he said, I'm not going to. So the media did call him and he said, no, that's not Catholic teaching. Now, I found out later that the good cardinal said, hey, uh, would you guys remind, I, I would prefer that not to be uh, recorded and put on the radio. Can you just keep that private? And all these years, I still have that recording. I've never published it. But I tell you what, I've got his voice saying to, to, to what he told his priest, you must never compromise, gentlemen. So I just find that to be remarkable. And you just said it. He was a saint. Well, because saints do that kind of thing. They don't look and put their finger up in the wind and say, which way is the wind blowing? They speak the truth. You're, did I ever it was, it was also It was also a man of action. Did you know he that? He said something. Yeah, did, did you he know did, that story, yes. Father? About I did not know that, but, it, but I'll tell you something. You know, I did not. It's the first time I'm hearing it, yeah. but it doesn't surprise me in the least because that's the kind of man he was. Yeah, I didn't think you'd say that. I thought you'd say that. Father, I want to, yeah. before we get the first break coming up in another minute, I want people to uh, pick up more of your books uh, and give us an update on if there's anything you're working on that... Uh, oh, Terry, I, I've got to tell you. I've got to tell you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The, I, the murder in the 33rd degree... Yes. Uh, it just it just came out in Italian. Good. And in, and in the first week, sold out. That's it's now it's now going into its it's it's now going into second edition, well, which is which is great. I remember when which you first great. wrote the book. It wasn't that long ago, and that's right. Uh, you know, we said this is. And I remember reading their manuscript before it was published and going, "Wow, yes. this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna rock a lot of people." Father, I hope you're in, in a good place because uh, you're you're gonna make a lot of people unhappy <clears throat> because you're exposing things that. They well, Terry, Terry I, I'm fine where I am right now. There's, I, I can see for miles all around, and, and there's, a, there's a machine gun in the eagle's nest. <laughs> Stay with us, family. You're listening to The Terry and Jesse Show with Father Charles Murr. I'm going to talk more with him when we come back after a quick, quick break. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murg, we lost his connection. He'll be back in a moment. Uh, we were just talking about his book, Murder in the 33rd Degree. You can pick that book up uh, even on Amazon or, you know, just go to charlesmurr.com 
and pick up the book. It's a fascinating book about uh, Freemasonry and how it is infiltrated the Roman Curia back in the mid-70s. This was done, this report. That's a great book. I also wanted to just mention <clears throat> that uh, as we walk along in our life, you know, these, these uh, scandals that are taking place in the church, we need to just really keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. Oh, here's my crucifix right here. Why do I say that? Because sometimes we can get so uh, upset and we lose our peace. If you notice, uh, Father Charles and myself, we're jovial. Why are we jovial? <laughs> because we know the end of the story. We win. God's going to, I believe, intervene win. in all these tragedies that are taking place. We have a situation right now, what I consider, Father Murr, tragic, tragic, and petty. Uh, just the last couple of days, it's been all over the secular media, religious media, that Cardinal Burke, <clears throat> who's a retired cardinal from America in the, in the, in the Vatican, uh, has been told that, hey, you know what? You're going to lose your uh, pension, and you're going to lose the place of living in the, in the Vatican, which all retired cardinals have always had to be, uh, were always able to live there. But because of what Pope Francis calls Cardinal Burke's enemy, I mean, I'm looking at him going, you know, I, Father, I'm going to let you talk, but I, I think he's his friend. You know why? I heard Cardinal Burke say that. I have no animosity about, Cardinal, about the Holy Father. I'm trying to help him. That's my job is to inform him on things and advise him. And so I give him the advice. Maybe it's not the advice he wants to hear, but I believe from my heart, he said that it's coming to what Christ has always taught, these perennial teachings, and the Holy Father is supposed to be the unifier, not the divider. So if I keep my mouth shut, it's a sin of omission. Now, he said it in different words, but that's how I got that from him in, an, in a previous interview. The man really wants to help the Pope and the Pope isn't wanting to help, it sounds to me. But I want to hear from you. What's your take about what happened to Cardinal Burke this week? Well, but for, you know, to begin with, historically, Cardinal Burke simply asked some questions. Yeah, that's right. Dubious. Right? And, and, and Terry, they were the same questions that you had without talking to Cardinal Burke <laughs> and that I had without talking to you or Cardinal Burke. Mm -hmm. they were, we, we read the encyclical, Amor Letizia, and we had, we had questions. Exactly. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Uh, I, I should remind everyone that to this day, those questions have never been answered. Not really, mm -hmm. and and uh, and the and the Holy Father didn't receive uh, the the cardinals. I, I think three of them have already died. Yeah, right? that's right. Correct. Well, if he waits just a little bit longer, they'll all be dead. Oh. And so the, then you don't have to answer anything. Yeah. Anyway, that's where it began. But you know, it's Cardinal Burke also has a responsibility before God to the to the to the Church. Amen. And people. People are asking him, well, what's happening here? Well, he's, what he said is, well, let me go to the source. I'm a cardinal. I can ask. That was the beginning. You weren't to ask. You weren't to ask. Now, we don't have a church like that. If we, if we ever have had a church like that in the past, perhaps we did. Perhaps there were, there were tyrant popes. Sure. I mean, we've, we've had Terry. I told you that there was a lawyer in Mexico who used to tell me he was a very good historian. He said, in the Catholic Church, as far as the papacy is concerned, we've had at least one of everything. <laughs> That's a good one. At least one of everything, except, he said, except a fool. We haven't had one of those yet. Interesting. That's an interesting insight. Anyway. So, so tell me but, more but the, about but the point, But the point was that, that Burke, Burke, Cardinal, Cardinal Burke, yeah. uh, uh, was simply asking to get an answer. Yeah. He didn't receive an answer. All right. Uh, so you take that as an enemy? 
No. Uh, I've, I've said this on your program yeah. a couple of times already. Yeah. But I, I told you the famous quote that I thought, I thought was great of my mother uh, when I distinguished between loving and liking. Yes. She said, I have seven children. I love them all. Two I like. Yeah. Two of them I like. Uh-huh. Right? Well, when she said that, my other brothers and sisters were kind of shocked, surprised. What is she talking about? Because they, they nobody ever knew that they were liked to degrees. Because they were all loved. Yeah. Right? Sure. This is this is what a parent, whether it be a mother or a father, does to children. This is the way you treat everyone. You treat them with the love and respect. Well, I don't see that love and respect coming here. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering. And I don't see that. I'm wondering right now in God's providence. I think we talked about this a week or two ago that without a divine intervention, you know, nothing's really going to move forward. And, you know, people are praying, making reparation for sacrileges that are going on in the church and in the world. And I think that's important. But I just, I will give an update just just the last two days, we heard that the Holy Father's health has gone south quite badly with regards to his lungs. You got to remember, many people don't realize it, but the Holy Father only has one lung, not two lungs. So when you get an infection, that's life-threatening. So he's going to yes. stay home and recover and do what he needs to do. But I believe, uh, and this is just, I'll say this right on the air, I pray for his conversion, okay? And what I mean by that, Father Charles, don't think I'm just holy poly. No, I pray that he will just reaffirm. That's uh, the convert. In other words, stop talking in ambiguity and just reaffirm the traditional teachings of the church before God calls him home. He's going to be 88 years old in December, okay? That's no spring chicken, man, last time I looked. So here's my point, yeah. my point. He, uh, he's very sick right now, and I, 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 the impression I have, tell me I'm all wet, but my speculation is he's realizing he doesn't have a lot of time left. I mean, I guess anybody 87, 88 years old would probably come up with that deduction just based on his birth certificate. So you want after I turned 21, I didn't think I had a lot of time left. Yeah, well, that, that's my point. Life is short. Eternity is forever. I'm really uh, thinking that he's re- uh, reacting right now because he's doing things that I would say are irrational to call one of the cardinals of his of the church a enemy because he's asking questions seems a little over the top. Well, here, let, let's go to Fulton J. Sheen. OK. Right, for the answer. I love I love Sheen's answers to most things. Sure. <clears throat> Sheen asks a question in one of his one of his talks. Mm-hmm. What happens to a man when he's lost? Okay. He's driving. He's driving. Yeah, he's got to ask questions. He lost his he, he lost his map. Yeah. And now he's completely lost. Uh-huh. What does he do? What is the normal reaction? And Sheen says he speeds up. Oh, yeah, that's true. They, the two, he goes pride, faster. Pride goes in. He goes faster. Now, yeah. I, I started laughing when I heard that because that's exactly what I did. I, I, I just did a little bit of an examination mm-hmm. of the past, and that's exactly what I do when I get lost. I go faster. Yeah. Uh, who knows why? It's, maybe, it's, maybe it's because uh, uh, you're just a little bit frantic. Mm-hmm. You, you want to get out of the confusion state, yep. but yep. you speed up. You speed up. And that is where accidents happen. Yeah, that's true. Now, that's when they happen because you're going you're going too fast for the situation. Now, I think you hit it I think you hit something right on. 
I think uh, His Holiness has done his utmost best to uh, to get everything in, in uh, place for the next conclave. Yeah. But, you know, God is full of surprises. Oh, I think so. God is full of surprises. <laughs> you know, I, I love that. I was, who was here just yesterday was Dr. Roberto Di Mattei. Tell us about the he came, he, yeah. came to, he came to visit me for a couple of days. Yeah. What a, what a, what an exceptional man. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a gentleman, what a knowledgeable historian he is. Uh, we were, we were sitting here by the fireplace. It's a little bit cool at night talking about all sorts of things. And we were talking about, Pius the Ninth. Mm-hmm. Pius the Ninth is always a great theme for historians. Pius the Ninth was elected as a liberal. Mm-hmm. He was not elected as a conservative. He was elected as a liberal. Mm-hmm. And he was elected, when I say liberal, I mean liberal in the European sense of the word. Friend of the Masons. Yes. Friend of Freemasonry, because they were the ones responsible for the, the revolutions in France and, and, and starting in Italy and everything else. He was trying to placate them, and he was very open to change. He was elected as a liberal. Wow. When they went to kill him, only when they went to kill him, two of his own guards, who belonged to the Freemason Society, turned on him to kill him. He escaped the Vatican and escaped to Gaeta near, near near Naples for almost three years until he could come back to Rome. And I I remember reading a Jesuit who wrote his biography, the biography of of, of Pius IX, and he said, after the assassination attempt on his life, and he had to escape for his life, get into a carriage at midnight and drive all the way to to Gaeta and and be guarded and everything, he he said, so ended his liberal period. I guess so. I can see why. (laughs) That took care of that. That took care of that. So when he came back to Rome, he was a different man. Yeah. He was a different man. And he was the one who called the, the first Vatican Council. Okay? Yes. And he was the one, he was the one with, with authority in Rome. And he came back. And you know what? One of the first things he did? Tell me. He started establishing all of the national colleges. We have the American North American College, yeah. the Canadian College, the French College, the Spanish College. Every 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 Catholic country, even Catholic uh, countries that are not Catholic, have their college there for future bishops wow. to study. Usually, that's kind of the idea. Pius IX wanted all the authority back in Rome. He wanted central authority mm. so that he could instruct priests who were going to later on be bishops how to be bishops. Makes sense. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, all I'm trying to say with all of this is. He began as a liberal. He was elected as a liberal. Incredible. Right? And God had another yep. thing in mind. Yep. And, right? Now, don't think that that can't repeat itself. No. Or don't think that something even greater, a bigger surprise can come around. Yeah. I'm open to anything. Well, what I do to... know, I firmly believe, Terry, and you and I have talked about this before. Yeah. Divine intervention. Yeah. That's right. Direct divine inter- intervention is the only way I see possible out of this conundrum. Makes sense. You know, what I want to do when we come back from the break is a little tease, and then we'll get into 
Awesome. Did I talk that long already, Terry, that we're um, going into another break? another break? Hey, Father, life, it goes by fast when we're having a good time. And I feel like I'm at the fireplace with you, ch chatting with you, because it's a little cold <laughs> out here in California, too. Uh, I want to oh. bring up something that you were aware of because you were in Rome working at the Vatican when Pope Paul VI, and this is my teaser, he came out with a, with a statement that uh, was really shocking for us all, but it seems that... Uh, now, what is it, 50-some years later, you look back at that uh, you know, statement and you say, boy, he knew something that we didn't know because uh, it makes a lot of sense. So we'll come back on that. Also, I want to just remind everybody, year-end, uh, if you'd like to make a year-end donation to uh, Virgin Most Powerful, go to vmpr.org on our website or call us at 877-526-2151. And I thank you in advance. We come back. Pope Paul VI, 1975 announcement of regarding Nuncio. Wait till you hear this. Stay with us, family. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin, most powerful radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr giving us some insights on the Catholic faith and especially. The teaser I gave was back in 1975, Pope Paul VI had an announcement that actually pertains to nuncios. Could you share what that announcement was all about and how it relates yeah, to us today? It was it was kind of curious that when when this happened, uh, when Christophe Pierre yeah. was the nuncio, Vatican nuncio to the United States, was named cardinal. And, and I, I just, I said, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. And I went back and looked at the list. Yes, there he is named Cardinal. And he remains Nuncio. I said, that can't be right because I remember very well, I think it was in 1975, could have been 76, but it was around there, that Pope Paul VI gave a decree that no papal Nuncio, no member of the papal Nunciatures or, or, or the Vatican diplomatic corps could become a cardinal. They would stop at being nuncio. That was the highest they could go. And why was that? Why? Why? Well, for the same reason. The same reason. It's, it was for the good of the church. Exactly. Pope Paul the Sixth, just like Pope Francis, I think Pope Francis. One of Pope Francis's biggest uh, biggest problems. That one of the things he hates most is careerism. He's told us that. Right. That that clerical careerism, he said, it's fatal, it's terrible. Well, the reason that Paul VI took the red hat possibility away from nuncios is so that they would be good nuncios and not and not be finagling mm -hmm. to do the politically right thing to get up to the, to get the next step up, which which was to be cardinal. Wow. So that was taken away from them. All of a sudden, during this during the Bishop Strickland uh, uh, problem, yeah. It wasn't a problem for me. I thought I, there was a, an act of heroism yeah. on his part, the great man. But on Rome's part, all of a sudden, the papal nuncio to the United States is made a cardinal. I thought, that can't be, because I remember it was taken away. No, that, that, that can be. And I think it was done, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it was done to, to give him a, a little bit more authority over the American bishops. I think you're spot on. Just a little bit more. And also, I may be wrong, 
but I think it was a sort of a job well done with Strickland. Could be too. That makes sense. Yeah, but, but remember, so. Cardinal that Cardinal Ver Pierre. He was just recently last month at the Bishops' Conference in November. He was pointing out the Holy Father's concern about the American Church in the sense of the polarization that there are these conservative uh, people, priests and bishops and lay people who have been just reacting in a very bad way to the Holy See, specifically with Pope Francis. And he's saying, you guys got to get in line. And uh, I just thought that there was a pushback by the president of the bishops' conference to say, no, 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 no. We're only doing what the church's teachings are. We have no, we have no agenda here. And so I just think that there's tension between the Holy See and the folks here, the flock in America. Am I under something? Yeah, you know, Terry, uh, many of us have been living this chaotic state of Catholicism for the last 50 years. Yeah, I agree. All right. I have seen this movement come and go, that movement come and go, the yep. charismatics come and go, sure. the these come and go, the uh, the, the Focolarini come and go. I, I, it, it didn't. It didn't throw my faith. I simply didn't attend their services. Right. I mean, you know, it wasn't, but it wasn't. I, we weren't enemies. No. As a matter of fact, I had I had friends who were who were of this persuasion of that persuasion. Yeah. Fine. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's traditionalism, traditional Catholicism, that that is the enemy of Catholicism. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. crazy. And it has to be attacked. Why? We had, we had, we had, as a matter of fact, I really felt a coming together, that unity, that uniting of, of different factions of the church under Pope Benedict when he finally gave permission for the for the for the Trinitine Latin Mass. And it was calm. I didn't see anybody screaming and upset and, and outraged. Right. It was going along fine until that was made the 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 uh, the battle. The Hill of Battle, which I still don't understand why, but uh, I don't know where where am I going with all of this? Well, 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 I can tell you something where I'm hearing you go, and and I'm just gonna say this right now: as the way you worship is the way you believe, and I have undoubtedly, yeah. Undoubtedly. And so I just want to, you know, we're in a time right now. They're trying to bishops are trying to get us to a Eucharistic revival, and I just had Father Don Calloway on with his new book uh, from Saint Julian Emard who's the apostle of Eucharistic you know, adoration. And he just basically said, well, let's do a couple simple things. He said, number one, turn the priest back, uh, you know, so that the people aren't looking at the priest during mass so they can be centered on God. And uh, let's get down to just receiving Holy Communion on the tongue, kneeling at a communion rail. Yes. He, I mean, some basic things that would really get us back focused on God. Which, which, uh, which Terry, no. which, is, which is what we have been saying for 50 years when it began. Yeah. We knew where, where this was leading. Yeah. We all knew where this was leading. It was going to be a lack of respect and a belief in the Holy, in the in real yes. presence, in the Holy Eucharist. We knew this when it began. Yes. Why did we know that when it began? Because we didn't begin it. Yeah. Martin Luther and Protestantism exactly. began it. You get rid of the idea of the real presence. Right. It's very simple. Yeah. This is not a complicated thing. Well, but he's right. Father Calloway is very, very, very right. That's that's exactly right. Well, let me just shift gears if I can, because I, I think I could talk the rest of the show with you about liturgy, which I think is another show in itself, because um, uh, I don't know if you saw the, uh, well, we there's a, a great article uh 
that was published by Catholic World Report on the liturgy that made the point that until we get this right, uh, there will be no Eucharistic revival. And it seems like yeah. the bishops are spending millions of dollars in Indianapolis for this summer, next summer's conference. And I'm all for bringing people to a conference to talk about the real presence and about the mass. But if we don't go back to our fundamentals of our faith and we just kind of go with novelties, we've seen what novelties have done in the liturgy. There's nobody in church. We're down to about 18% of the people oh, coming. Yeah. And then here's a quick quote, quote, Father. Maybe you didn't hear this. I have it right here in my hand. Mass attendance in Nigeria, 93% of Catholics go to church on Sunday. Well, Now, now here's the kicker about that. There's that sounds like the 1950s in the United States. Yes, but there was persecution going on in Nigeria from the Muslims, and the people have to really fight for their faith. Now, I'm just going to throw this at you because you got some Irish. I think you have a little Irish brother in you, maybe. Enough to be dangerous, and you know it. <laughs> well, you know, in Ireland, the faith was very strong when the persecution of the people oh, was yes. going on. As soon as the persecution left, what happened to the faith? It, it wavered. So here's my question to you. It seems to me that, as Tertullian said, you know, about martyrs, but my question is, do you think that uh, persecution is necessary for a church, whether it's in whatever country? But why is it that, they, that when these persecution comes in, people seem to go back to their faith? And like you just said about someone ready to die, and then he said, oh, I got to get my pies tonight. I, I, well, because, because the, Terry, that? that's, when, that's, when it, that's when it makes sense. Mm. It, that's when when persecution comes. Yeah. That's when it makes sense because all of a sudden that gives you the opportunity of understanding the passion of Jesus Christ, yeah. which you may not have understood before, or you may have avoided all your, all of your life. Mm -hmm. Who wants who wants to suffer? Right. Nobody wants to suffer, right? Right. But but that's the way through. Look at the look at them the Muslims. Okay. Their their whole the, from the very beginning. Theirs was uh, a religion of violence, yes, of battle, of victory, of yeah. cutting off heads from day one. Right. From day one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Christianity wasn't that way from day one. We were a we were a religion of forgiveness, of tolerance, of 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 of, of person. We were persecuted, right. and we were asked to forgive. Yep. And that to us was the str the the strongest point of any human being. It's not so strong to be able to cut off somebody's head. Yeah. That's not strength as, as far as we're concerned. And it's certainly not strength as far as God's concerned. Right. What, is, what is strength is to be able to forgive the person yeah. who is murdered, who is raped, who has looted, who has destroyed your, cult, your culture, to forgive. That's strength. And when we, come, when we find ourselves persecuted, Terry, all of a sudden, we are able to really live Christianity. You nailed it. You nailed it. I mean, that's that's it. We're, we're in we're in the right ambience yeah. for, for Christianity. Right. right. All right. Well, when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about the Magi and the slaughter of the innocents, so a little meditation, because we're talking, Oh, there we go. Yeah, no, we, I, <laughs> that's where I was tying it into, you know, the persecution. Yeah. And um, we'll talk about that and much, much more. Uh, I want to also recommend to our listeners now uh, the 
Christ the King feast annual in the old in the uh, old rite was like four weeks ago, but we just had it in the uh, Novus Ordo last Sunday. I really think it's important uh, that we understand the church's position. It was 1925 when this document came out uh, to talk. It's an act of dedication to the human race to Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. The Holy Father came out with that. We read it at our liturgy last Sunday after Mass, after the St. Michael prayer, which I thought was magnificent. Is that right? Yeah, I was pumped. I mean, wow! Beautiful. So I'm going to recommend that our listeners look up the act of dedication of the human race uh, to Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. And there's a plenary indulgence granted to the faithful who piously recite this act. So I just want you to, it was uh, it's a powerful prayer. And I think that if once we get back to uh, Jesus Christ as being king of the universe and king of our world and not uh, the world replacing Jesus Christ. I always say this, Father, you've heard me say it before. Who's influencing who? The church, the world, yeah. or the world, the church? Well, I have to say for the last 50 years, the world has influenced the church in a very bad way because so many of our uh, positions of the hierarchy are right with the world. And that's not what our God, what our gospel teaches and what our Lord taught. That it shouldn't it shouldn't that tell you right off, Terry, that something's wrong with yeah, this, what's wrong with this picture? Oh yeah. Yeah, right. Man. So let's come back and talk about the Magi and the slaughter of the innocent with Bishop Sheen's commentary. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. Father Charles, we're sitting in on a Monday, as he does always. Stay with us, family. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Father Charles Murrs here. Father, I had written down a note I wanted to get your content, your t- take on. Bishop Strickland made a point yesterday about what was going on in Spain regarding the praying of the rosary publicly, that that was being condemned. And his comment was, well, they need to go out with more people so that they overwhelm everybody and say, look, we're not going to stand for this. We're, gonna, we're Catholic and we're going to pray the rosary. And then about three hours later, I see on a clip all these people, thousands of Spaniards from Spain praying their rosary and singing Latin. And I'm like, what's going on? What's your take on that, Father? Look, the, uh, Spain has been living. Let me, let me begin this way. Yeah. Anyone that I've ever met, and I've met a lot of people from a lot of places, yeah. anyone that I've ever met who has had to live under communism yeah. or socialism, yeah. call it whatever you want to call it, is eager to leave, is eager to leave. Uh, I asked, I asked. I remember talking to somebody years ago, I said, there's a wall in Berlin do you know how many people have been killed getting from this side, from that side to this side? I think the number was 378 or something at that time. I said, now can you tell me, tell me, has anybody broken a fingernail trying to get from this side to that side? No, nobody's, nobody's going the other way, right? The Spaniards have had to live under socialism for years. And you know how socialism comes in, Terry? It comes in this way, especially in Christian nations, Catholic nations. Yes, uh, they hit they hit social justice. This is yes. a new term made up, by them, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, and what what are they saying? Well, you don't want to be mean to the poor, do you? Right. 
you don't want you don't want people to starve, do you? You're nailing it. Yep. You don't want people to be homeless, do you? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what are they talking about? They're talking about the uh, the bienaventuranzas, the the beatitudes. Let us help you fulfill those beatitudes of Christ, shall we? Yeah. Let us help you. Well, this is how communism gets in, and it comes in and it comes into Christianity quite simply that way. But we've got to remember, Christians can't be suckers. Yes. We're supposed to wake up and get get smart about things. Yes. Well, all right. When communism comes in, it doesn't let go. It doesn't let go. It's like a dog with a with a bone, yeah. and the jaws are locked. Right. It does not allow for free elections after it gets in power. It depends on free elections before, but not after. Fine. Spain right now is in, at a point where they have had to live since. Franco, that was seventy-five. Up to now, mm-hmm. up to now, more or less, in under socialism. Yeah. Nobody likes it, and finally, people are waking up, and people are be, are getting a voice, and they're rebelling. It's the most amazing thing. I think it's no it's no secret to, to people. I think most people know that I live in Spain now, Terry. We can yeah, we yeah. can we can just say that, right? Sure. But uh, it's no it's it's. It's amazing that people now, it's funny to me because I don't think I've ever seen it, that the the right, the political right, and the, and the Catholic vote, the Christian vote, they're the ones storming the palaces. Awesome. Yep. You know, this is amazing. I mean, not, not, there is no violence. No. There's no violence, I mean, which, is, which is also a factor going this way to that way. Yeah. If it were the other way around, where, where the communism, uh, communist takeover, there would be violence. You saw that. Yes. But this is this is people who have had it. Yeah. They've had it, and they've understood. They've understood. They've get, they've been given a good lesson for about fifty years that this doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Right. And 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 it's about to change, and it will change. Good. Even though right now they they did some patchwork. With other smaller parties to get a to get a majority to get the the same socialist back elected, he's uh, this is not going to go on. This is not going Good. to go on, and it's re- it's a remarkable time to be here. Yeah, because everyone is behind this movement. It's almost like being in in Poland, I would imagine, yeah. at the time of John Paul the the second. Yes, where you you see, you see a, a movement starting. People are getting excited. Yeah, remember that real well in the late seventies. That is awesome. Well, yep. thanks for that update. We've got about five minutes. I just want to give people a little meditation because it is uh, Advent coming up on Sunday. I'll read uh, from Bishop Sheen on the Magi and the Slaughter of the Innocents. Simon had foretold that the divine babe would be a light to the Gentiles. They were already on the march. At his birth, there will be the Magi or the scientists of the East. At his death, there will be the Greeks or the philosophers of the West. I like that. The psalmist Mm -hmm. had foretold that the king of the East would come to do homage to Emmanuel. Following a star, they came to Jerusalem to ask Herod where the king had been born. And this is right from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. And thereupon certain wise men came out of the East to Jerusalem who asked, where is he that has been born, the king of the Jews. We have seen his star out in the east, and we have come to worship him. 
Bishop Sheen says this, and then I'll turn it over to you, Father, because he said, it was a star that led them. God spoke to the Gentiles through nature and philosophers, to the Jews through prophecies. The time was ripe for the coming of the Messiah, and the whole world knew it. Though they were astrologers, a slight vestige of truth in their knowledge of the stars led them to the star of Jacob as the unknown God of the Antheans. Later on would be occasion for Paul preaching to them the God whom they knew not, but dimly desired. Though coming from a land that worshipped stars, they surrendered that religion as they fell down and worshipped him who made the stars. <laughs> the Gentiles, <laughs> in fulfillment of the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah, came to him from the ends of the earth. The star which disappeared during the interration of Herod reappeared and finally stood over the place where the child was born. Your thoughts. I, I think she just, what a meditation. Yeah. And you know, that, that's, it, to me, this speaks so loudly of, of, of our Lord's divinity. Yes. His divinity. Made divinity. stars, all, man. <laughs> all of nature. All of nature. <laughs> and who made that nature? Who yeah. made nature? Who made the rocks? Who made the mountains? Yeah. Who made the whole thing? The whole, the whole kit and caboodle. Who did that? Yeah. The very baby born right now Incredible. in the center of all of this. All nature was waiting for. What is that? Uh, there was there's a there was a there's a Christmas hymn. It speaks of uh, oh, oh come on. I think it's Minuit Chrétien. So the the French uh, Oh Holy Night, Oh Holy Night. That yeah. that's right. Listen to the lyrics of that. Nature knew. Nature knew. Nature was prepared. Yeah. And he came, he came, and finally, listen to this, finally, the soul felt its worth. Yes. That's a the lyrics in this fantastic. This, now, all of a sudden, you knew why you had a soul. Yes. It was to receive this. Yes. And everyone who came knelt and worshipped. This is fantastic. Yeah. You only worship God. We only worship God. There's one thing that there's one thing that she gets to a little bit later on. Yes, tell in us. This, in tell us. Life of Christ, but it's also related to this. Good. The wise men went through Jerusalem before they went to Bethlehem, mm -hmm. and they spoke to Herod, right? Mm -hmm. Who is not a Jew, by the way. Herod is a, a whole character for another program. Yeah. But they spoke to Herod, and they said, "We've come to do homage." To the king, the king of the Jews, we saw his star. Well, you can imagine how this is. I beg your pardon? Yeah, what really, king? What? There's only one <laughs> king here. Yeah. Right? right? And he said, what did he say? He immediately called the scribes, and I bet there were a few Pharisees there, mm -hmm. the, wise, the wise men of his court. Where was this Messiah to be born? He, he's not a Jew. He doesn't know what, what, what the Messiah he doesn't. He doesn't know. He doesn't care. Right. All he wants to do is be king. So he calls them and said, where is this Messiah? What, 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 what are you talking about a Messiah? What, what are they talking about a king? He's going to be born here? What, 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 what? Why hasn't anybody told me about this? Yeah. And they answer him, Terry. This is, this is, awesome. yeah. this is fantastic. Yeah. They answer him and they tell him, yes, 
a Messiah is going to come for all of the Jews. He'll be the he'll be the leader of the, of, of the people of Israel, and he's going to be born now. And he's going to be born in a place called Bethlehem. They knew Terry. In other words, they knew all about him. Yet none of them went to see him. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you, you know, what they, they, could t- they could tell you where he's going to be born. Yeah. This is the only thing, all of the indications, but none of them went to see him. This is this is amazing. Is. This is amazing. Yeah. Huh? yeah, this is this is this is what we have. Terry, what, this is what we have today. We have philosophers and theologians. We have churchmen. We have clergy. We have bishops. Yes. We have cardinals yes. who can tell you all about him. Uh, I wanted to. I won't. I won't. I, won't well, I know where you're going. I, I, I'm just going to say this. All about I'm him. just going to say this, even on the practical level. We know many of us know inside the Catholic Church. At least I hope many of us know that resides in there is the Blessed Sacrament. Even us who realize that, how many of us take the time to spend time before our Lord? Like, I'm going to go after this show. We have an 8 o'clock Mass. I get to go. Uh, I was already making a visit before this show, but I'm going back in to spend time before our Eucharistic King. And let, be- me just, let me just stop you. Let me just stop you yeah, there, Terry, to clarify me. something for your audience. Yeah. If your audience thinks that you're exaggerating, oh, no. <laughs> let, me, let me assure them, that I have never seen the lay person spend more time in front of the Blessed Sacrament in my life than Terry Barber. Well, I, 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 this is this is what this is why you've got your this is why you come with your batteries charged. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what Bishop program. Sheen and Bishop. I have to admit, it came from Bishop Fulton Sheen telling us to get the daily holy yep. hour. I, I yes. don't put anything on that, but I just want to encourage people: Are we making the time to go see Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament for Advent? Can we? Make a commitment to make a visit every day on the way home from work, maybe on the way to the grocery store. Say, kids, we're going to stop in and say hi to Jesus. This, The rewards of this visit to the Blessed Sacrament are out of this world. Father Charles, how about a, a blessing for our folks, please? Terry, I can't believe that the hour is gone. It is. It goes by fast. Dominus vobiscum et cum spiritu tuo bendicate omnipotens Deus bendicat vos omnipotens Deus Pater filius et spiritus Amen. And Father Charles, I always ask this question: What state should we be living in, Father Charles? New Jersey. <laughs> Get out of here. No, no. State of grace. <laughs> exactly. State of grace. We like to leave on a laugh. Why? Because we're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Father and I, we'd be billionaires because our hope is in Jesus Christ, even in the spite of what we're dealing with today. Why? Keep your eyes on Jesus. God bless you.